Welcome, friends and guests, to Max Horton, the Precision Rifle Podcast. Now let's get to the show. Ray, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Well, I'm here too. Hey, everybody, this is Tyler. It is a Tuesday. We're fresh back from Competition Dynamic Steel Safari, the team edition. And Ray and I competed as a team this year. And we thought it was only appropriate to have this podcast after the competition. <laughs> right? We got to let everybody know how things went. But then, you know, we've got shit to talk about over the summer as you were busy traveling around, doing your school shit, all that good stuff. And, you know, I don't think you were there. I think you were at the house with, I don't know. The boys. You might have been taking photos or, or doing whatever, you know, Ray does. But I had a guy come up to me, and he was like, hey, introduce himself. He's like, I listened to your podcast about a year ago. I purchased a rifle right after that, and I'm here because of that podcast. I'm like, oh. <laughs> fucking awesome, right? So... He's at the team challenge. He's got his partner. And the first thing I asked him was, well, what was something awesome that happened or, or that you guys did? And then what is that one thing where you're like, damn, like this got me, you know? And it was just cool to hear their story. So after hearing that, I knew that we had to do another episode talking about the team challenge and just putting it out there about how we have gotten consistently better, even though this year our placing didn't reflect, right? We've got. Yeah, but there was some issues, but I. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We'll totally talk about the issues and stuff like that. But, you know, we didn't have any blow ups. Like they, they didn't hear us screaming at each other from across the other side of the, of of this massive, you know, range. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we worked really well together. It was pretty chill. We hit a lot of targets. We still had issues with the assault stages. But that is not where I want to start with this conversation, right? Okay. A couple of things I want to tackle first is, did you know, okay, uh, when I woke up this morning, I went for my run, went to the gym, I come back, I have breakfast, and then I got to do my shower before I get on the horn with you and we start spitting, right? Well, the little plastic thing on my loofah broke off. And on I'm your, in, wait, wait, what, on your what? On my loofah. 
Oh. A little fuzzy thing that I that I shower with, right? I'm sure every dude does. It's just who has the balls to say that they use one, right? But so the little plastic thing broke that holds the string together tight. And this tiny little loofah that fits in the palm of your hand, it came unraveled. Did you know that shit is six foot tall? Uh, sure. It's I mean, very it is. Anyways, uh, let's not talk about your shower. <laughs> so let's talk about the match itself. <laughs> That's been like the highlight of my day so far is finding out that the loofah is actually six feet long. Okay. All right. Let's focus. Focus. All right. So my biggest focus over the past couple months talking with Jeremy, I've had podcasts with Branch Warren, um, you know, the homies up at Falcor Defense. I've had a lot of guests on the show and continuously trying to look at what a shooter or a person can do to elevate their game, right? And it's not just shooting because the mental aspect of it is huge. No matter what kind of shooting competition you're getting into, that mental side can make or break you, right? It could be the difference between top 10 and somewhere down in the 20s, you know? So Yeah, most definitely. That's been something huge is looking at how you can go to other areas of training or competition or, you know, not just shooting, but like bodybuilding or, you know, chess, you know, anything. How can you take from the people who have mastered their craft in other areas and apply it to this, you know, like Tiger Woods, for example, Tiger Woods back in the day was the man, right? Win, 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 win. So how can we learn from him? How can we learn from different areas? And I started thinking about what kind of games could you play, whether it's on your phone or a traditional board game to sharpen your mind. Now I haven't prepped you at all. When you first got on there, you said, what are we talking about today? I said, we're going to fucking do it live, right? So here we are. First question with no prep. <laughs> what okay. board game or what app on your phone do you feel could help a shooter sharpen their mind? And I asked this question because I've been waking up every day. And one of the first things that I do while I'm stretching is I play this game. It's a version of Sudoku but with puzzle pieces, right? And I don't play it for very long. I do one game to start getting my brain working, start working my mind, getting, you know, seeing different shapes and patterns and seeing how fast I can get through this puzzle. So now you're on the spot, Ray. Is okay. I actually just talked about playing a game on my phone this morning about um, something that would kind of alleviate some stress but I also like it at the same time. It is Tetris. Yes. <laughs> I have that written down as one of the games. Yes. I, I love Tetris. Okay. Okay. So when you think about Tetris, what is one of the things that you would say that game would help you in what area of shooting? I think natural point of aim. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just, it's just right. That one, because I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> well, you have to get into a certain spot and do it efficiently. And then once you're there, you can jam down the puzzle piece 
like it, pretend that's your natural point of aim and then shoot. Okay. That's, I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. I'm starting <laughs> to understand it. It's a very interesting way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not knocking it at all. I mean, I think now that you've explained it that way, I'm like, Oh, okay. Shit. Like, yeah, that could totally work. Well, can you pretend like you're kind of moving the piece back and forth, like horizontally, right? That yep. means you got, you got, you're not, you don't have NPA cause you're muscling it in. Right. But That's once you have it aligned to where you want it, you can just jam it down. That's where your natural point of aim is. Oh, I totally agree. And yeah. When I was thinking about Tetris, it sounds like the way that you're applying it is sort of like a mindset towards your overall shooting, right? And I was looking at it from a different angle, which was more of a mindset game and some strategy, but also pattern recognition, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. So I guess for strategy, you don't get a whole lot of strategy practice from it because you're given what you're given, you know, and you have to arrange it and maybe a little bit of strategy. But as far as a pattern recognition, that piece starts to fall from the ceiling. You have to make adjustments. You have to twist it, turn it, spin it, do whatever. Get it to fall into the right piece so that you can make this happen, right? And um, I just started thinking about the steel safari the team challenge and looking at a lot of those stations whether it's a two position three target stage or it's a one position six target stage how do you remember Ooh, where I the got, targets are okay okay here's another game uh i used to go to a barn there used to be a game where it's like a picture in picture and you find the difference okay yeah huh? Yeah, so that's a good one to look for target. Absolutely. So with that being said, I picked, for the exact same reason you just said, I picked Where's Waldo. Yeah. Where's Waldo? Yes, yes, yes. That little bastard's hard to find. I love I'm really good at that game. Well, I'm not, but... It does help you, you know, look at something and see a break in the pattern, like an observation exercise, which would, again, be good for competition dynamics, right? It'd yeah. Be good for, um, you know, any type of competitive shooting where you have to have some type of either, uh, you know, break the baseline type observation technique or something like that to remember where a target is or, you know, whatever the case is. But and I, I'm also thinking, like, if you play, I guess, Where's Waldo with a partner, you can, if you find Waldo, you can walk your partner on. Oh, my gosh. So, so you work with the communication. Most definitely. I Now that you bring that up, I'm going to have to implement that into the team training <laughs> because I got something to tell you about Saturday night, right? But the last game I was thinking of was just a very simple Kim's game. And have you heard of Kim's game before? Negative. So Kim's game, we do it in the military, Marine Scout snipers, we sit there and, you know, the sheet gets pulled off and there's 10 items. You got to look at these 10 items and you might have 60 seconds. You might have two minutes, right? And you got to know, at least write down or remember what the shape is, what color, what condition what you think it is, what does it appear to be, right? Uh, how old is it? Is it new? Is it old? Is it broken? 
So you try to remember as many details as you can about these items. And then after the time limit's over, whoever is conducting the Kim's game, they may hand you a piece of paper and say, write down what you saw. Or they might wait until six hours later and say, hey, remember that Kim's game that we did? Write that shit down, right? And then you're like, damn, what was that, right? So Kim's game is a good one for memory, practice, and, you know. So it was just something I was thinking about, games that could help you, right? And you don't get sucked into the game, right? Don't let it become your life and, and, and fuck you over like Xbox will, right? But use these <laughs> games to sharpen your brain, right? So Saturday night, Saturday evening, uh, we're done with day two. And I'm talking with Russ and Vanessa. And they're like, man, we're, just, we're still just having a lot of issues walking each other onto the target. Like I'll find one, but I can't walk her onto it. Or she'll find one, and she can't walk me onto it. So we exit the range. We're driving down the highway, and I text Russ. I'm like, pull over right now. Pull up behind him. We're on the side of the highway. I'm like, get your binos out. Get your tripod. We're going to do some observation right now. And it was challenging because I'm like, I would focus his binos on just a random bush. You see the bush? (laughs) You need to walk Vanessa onto that. And he'd be like, fuck, right? So (laughs) now here's Vanessa looking through a different pair of binos, and he's trying to walk her on. And it does become challenging to to learn how to communicate, right? And simple is always better, but sometimes you want to use things that are very obvious. Or like I always say, start big and work your way small, right? Use clock directions. Try to stay away from, you know, go two inches left or, you know, a hundred feet left. Because in reality, if you're looking 800 yards away, do you really know how much a hundred feet is without some type of reticle? Yeah. That's why I always use a uh, binance with a reticle, but then your partner has to have a reticle unless they're yeah. on their, Absolutely. On their yeah. right. But uh, looking naked eye using fingers, Hey, go two fingers left from the top of that mountain, you know? Yeah two fingers below the ridge that works. Um, but always starting big and working your way small. The ridge line is a great one. As long as there's features on the ridge line that you can both point out to each other pretty seamlessly. Um, you know, so we did some Saturday evening, let's try and get this issue fixed. Right. Um, and it seemed to work like their communication seemed pretty good on Sunday when I got to see them, but a lot of it is just, working together and getting experience talking and communicating. I remember taking Paul and Mike out and saying, all right, guys, look at this mountain. And you know, the mountain at our range, it's just a big ass mountain with a whole lot of sagebrush and very little features for you to navigate from. And, you know, getting them to understand how to work together like that. It does become challenging, right? So you got to keep it simple. That's the key. Keep it simple. But, you know, how many years we've been doing this match together? A lot of years, a lot of years. So it's, it's easier for us to work together because we have been working together for that long and we know each other's communication uh, styles. So, and I can take a lot of crap from you. That's true. That's the big one, right? There, being able <laughs> That's to the big one. 
But, uh, I mean, just the way that we've learned over time and being able to, you know, start from those big items, Ray, you know, there was quite a few stages where this actually worked out and it was just something that we started doing or I started doing, you know, recently was we'd step up to the shooting stage and I'd say, Ray, you know, I'd pick the most prominent thing out there. Do you see that bare naked spot with no trees, no bushes. It's just brown dirt right in the middle of our field of fire. And you're like, yes. I'm like, there's a target in the middle. That is our reference point, right? So if at any point, and I know for me, maybe this is different for you, but for me, if at any point I get lost, meaning I just shot this target, I just shot that target. I'm about to go for the third one. I want to make sure I'm on the right target. Yeah, that's a big one that target that is my reference point is always where I'm going to go back to. So, you know, the particular stage that I'm referencing right now, there was one target in the middle and then one on the left, one on the right, one down low and two up top. Right. And at any point, if I was like, Oh, is this the right target? I don't want to shoot the wrong one. I just go back to my reference point. I'm like, okay, there's my target. Come back left. There's the one I'm supposed to shoot ready go right and if i was still trying to talk you on the targets i could always have you go back to that reference point whether it be a target or a a very yeah very huge bush or a white rock or you know anything the two titties on the south stage seven you know yeah so finding those reference points and being able to communicate those is definitely one that has helped us over the years I would say for this year, and you can chime in anytime, but, you know, day one, I feel like since we hadn't trained the entire year together on working any of these communication things, wind calls together, you know, none of that, I think day one went better than we could have expected. Um, I know we always expect to hit everything, like (laughs) just our mentality is like, buck just missed one you know like out of 63 shots we missed you know three or four and it's like we're so pissed off about it but and it's actually really really good yeah uh yeah but like i think day one was the only day we didn't have equipment issues and it was also the first day back to working with each other and wait no that's a negative we had equipment issues on the last stage day one because we ran that salt stage after. Oh. That's when the BCG went yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So, you know, just kind of looking at day one and saying, I expected the score to be a little bit lower on day one. You know, it is what it is, right? We dropped, I think, out of 63 shots, we dropped 11 that day. And they were all my fault. Like, No, there's two of them that I left on the table because my gun broke. That was Saturday. Two. That was Saturday. Friday, day one, all 11 misses were my fault, right? Okay, okay. So we shot Oh, you're right, course. you're right. Yep, yep, we shot the north course. I had some wind call mistakes, no mental mistakes. Like, mental mistakes were not present at this match, which that's always a huge accomplishment, and it should be very, very sought after. If you're a competitive shooter, you should be seeking to complete an entire match with zero mental issues, like dialing the wrong dope, 
shooting the wrong target. You know, those are yeah. mental mistakes. But so there's one issue I can talk about for day one. Go ahead. Right. And why we missed 11 because sometimes you had not as much time left on the clock to shoot after I shot because when I would get on, I'd be on the target and you would force me to shoot the target that you wanted to. That's true. So that wasted a lot of time. Just to give everybody an idea who's not been to one of these matches, the team challenge is two shooters, one gas gun, one bolt gun. When you walk up to your spray painted spot on the dirt, there is a left and right lateral limit to tell you where the targets are. And it's either a one by six, meaning one position, six targets, or it's a two by three, two positions, three targets. You have six minutes to get through this stage and your carbine, your gas gun shooter can only acquire three points, meaning three hits. Now they can shoot as much as they want. They can shoot all six targets if they want, but they can only get points for three of them. The bolt gunner is one shot, one hit. That's it per target. And for a total of nine points per stage. And, um, you know, so it is a challenging event. And I think you and I had talked about as we were walking to the first position on day one, we were going to shoot big targets. I was going to tell you what targets to look at, which targets I wanted you to shoot, you know, especially big targets. Cause I wanted you to get your hits and I would need to know what you held for win. So I could make the adjustments for my own caliber. And, uh, you're right. That was definitely something that slowed us down in terms of you getting your three hits. So yeah. every single stage, all seven stages, you got your three hits. I don't believe we timed out on any stage, but there was a few stages where it You're took rushed. you longer than normal because I was telling you, no, go to this target. No, go to this target. Don't go to that target because I was trying to force you to stay away from the small targets and I was wasting time by not finding the other targets, not ranging them. So I was actually limiting time for myself and that's yeah. what was causing issues. Cause I wasn't able to take a shot, see how the target would rotate, see how good or bad my wind call was. If I missed what was my correction. So I was just going and it, I wasn't taking the time to make good corrections. So that was definitely but after that. Yeah, we talked about that issue. So the next day, I was like, I'm going to shoot any target I see. I'm going to give you the most time. <laughs> so day two <laughs> was awesome, right? We were crushing yeah. it on day two. Everything was going awesome. The entire six, first six stages, the entire first six stages, one miss. That's it. Yeah, we it was, it was it. really good. And mostly because I was like, I would get down and you're trying to tell me something. I'm like, don't talk to me right now. Yeah, yeah and that's good. <laughs> don't like, talk to me. We started to get into that rhythm of you, you know, us communicating where the targets are, but then you starting to shoot them while I'm writing down what my dopes are, what my wind calls are going to be, et cetera. So as soon as you're done shooting, I'm getting down and I've got three minutes to shoot. And that's yeah. exactly what led to such a successful day. Yeah. If you let me do what I need to do, I'll fucking shoot and get out of there like super quick. Yeah. You know, but if you force me to do something, 
like it's gonna take a little bit longer that's typical woman shit right there but oh that's so i mean uh it was going really good only one miss and i know a couple of those stages are pretty easy like it's the positions that might be funky but we're like the kings of funky positions right correct you know so the positions were easy the targets were easy and you know and once we got towards the end then it was like okay these last three stages there's some distance out there right targets were all the way out to 630 650 and you had some decent wind i know when you were watching me shoot you were biting your nails a little bit like okay i hope he doesn't miss but I think you expected me to drop one or two on a few of those stages, but we went through stage five clean, went through stage clean. Right. And I could hear you after I would finish one of those stages, like, fuck yeah. Like, hell yeah. You know, like it was exciting to only be down one point and then the disaster struck (laughs) seven day two, stage seven. And the gas key Allen head. There's two bolts that hold the gas key onto the gas gun, uh, bolt carrier group. One of the bolts had sheared off and became lodged in the trigger. So you, you took one shot hit and then click nothing, click nothing. You kept cycling. No bangy. I kept cycling. And then I switched mags, and I was like, it's yeah. not working. And you're yelling at me. And I'm like, bro, why you yell at me? Just I know. It was my bad. Me. I was just like, no, this can't be happening right now. You know, like, one, I wasn't done finding all the targets or ranging them. And two, now we got to fix this on the clock. And when do we decide to call it? Like, okay, Ray, you can't shoot anymore. Let me get down here and do my business, right? Yeah. So. Finally, we pop that thing open, look at it. Oh, look, there's a, there's a busted bolt in here. Okay, you're yeah. done. Let me get down. So I've got all six targets, but, you know. You, we wasted a little bit of time. We, we did. You, you, we wasted a little bit of time, but you only hit one target. Yeah. One out of the three. So now we're yeah. down to, now we're down two shots. Like, damn it, you know? Yeah. And then on top of that, not that I'm not capable, right? I think the way that we approached it was good, but I didn't have any of your wind calls to go off of now. So it was all from scratch, which makes it a little bit more difficult to not miss a single target. So my strategy from that point was like, okay, I need to start at one of the close targets, like 320 and get the hit on that target, see how the target reacts and then work my way through. And it worked for the most part. The only mistake that we made was this was the same stage. I posted a video on our Instagram channel, Max Ordnant of Russ and Vanessa running the West stage seven. This is the exact same stage that Ray and I's rifle went down. The targets were obscured by bushes. You couldn't laze the ground because there was bushes all around. You, The only chance you had of getting a really good correct range was by ranging the target. Not all binos are created equal, so some of them have very large beams that range shit. 
Ali's one of the targets wrong. I had it at 530. It was not right. Took the shot. Wind calls perfect, but it was about mm, half a mil low. It's like, damn, you know, like, okay. So that was our one miss on that stage. We still walked away with our heads held high. Uh, you know what? I, I just want to insert this real quick. That oh, was the first go. target I hit, and I was like, Tyler, I think the ranges is wrong because, like, I have to hold hella different. You're like, no, the range is right. I'm like, you sure, bro? You sure? Okay, and but at the same time, with everything else going on, rifle breaking, shit not working. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And also, assault stage. Hey, I don't think we shot that yet, Tyler. Um, yeah, no, we did. Hey, mm -hmm. this is not a bash on Tyler show right now. This is a, we had a really good weekend. And we worked uh, through adversity and. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, with so much stuff going on on that day towards the end. I think yeah. we did pretty good walking away with only four shots dropped. No, uh, yeah, that was awesome because those those two were from my gas gun going down. Yeah. So we would have just dropped two. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it was it was good, and you know, eh, going back on it, I mean, I, I can't complain. I thought we executed very well on day two, and then day three. I haven't even got to the assault stages yet. I figured I'd save the assault stages till the end. But day three field courses, we were on the south. We had a lot of wind even early in the morning when we started at like crack of dawn early. But I want to say something. I am so glad you've been training for the sack because you are a fit motherfucker. Like, I can't believe you ran back to the car from stage three and got back to that stage before I had to go to the next station. Yeah, it was, i tell you, I mean, I don't know what my pace was, but I did not want that to be the reason that we would fall in the rankings. So I just kept running. Like I figured if I, you know, if I puked, that would be my limit, but I just kept going like some Forrest Gump shit. And, uh, <laughs> You know, but we started off really good. We started off really good. Uh, yeah, stage one, definitely. clean. Stage two, we dropped one. I I don't even remember where I missed. I missed one target. It was the one over in the gully in that, like, yeah. drainage area. Uh, I don't know what happened. It could have been bad. Actually, I don't even think it was bad ranging. I think we all got roughly the same range, so I think it was just bad wind call. But yeah, we get to stage three, and lo and behold – disaster strikes again right disaster now this also cost us two points um you shot one target and the targets weren't that far i think it started at like oh wait no i do remember this the, the targets were linear from right to two left by three. yeah you had two positions three targets you had target on the right target in the middle target on the left and the target on the right was fairly large in the middle and then the left were at like five something and but they were tiny you shot the circle target you hit but then your rifle cycled no yeah your rifle no your rifle cycled but then it wouldn't it wouldn't fire like at all like there was not even a click which leads me into what happened right now every event that has taken place i think led to this point the 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 screw head breaking on the gas key getting lodged into the trigger i had to beat that rifle to get the bolt open yeah 
was pretty, pretty intense. Now, I think that carried into the very next day because we're on stage three and you press the trigger, nothing happens. You press the trigger, nothing happens. You're cycling. You're trying to cycle the gun, but it's getting stuck. And you're like, Tyler, I can't fucking do anything. I couldn't. It was stuck. Yeah, we, we pretty much stopped right away because we learned our lessons from the day before. Yeah, well, I come up there. I grab the rifle. I try to get it open, try to get it open. And on the clock, I get it open. And I'm like, okay. You have no more gun, Ray. <laughs> as soon as I pop the receiver open the trigger hammer falls out and I'm like, Oh my fucking God. Like this is not fixable. Like you can't just put trigger hammer back on trigger and go like it's Duct done. Tape. It, it can't even go click anymore at this point. Right. It's like, Fuck. no clicky, no clicky. So, what I think happened was that bolt shearing off of the carrier got lodged into the trigger. And then I was beating the rifle, trying to get it to open Finally, I did. Well, I think all of that beating caused the trigger hammer to take some abuse. And yeah. it eventually just gave way. So yeah. it sheared off as well. So. Snowball effect. Snowball effect. We had to, you know, we took two, two misses on that stage. I got in position, took my first shot, hit the circle. Wind call seemed a little aggressive because the target swung left a uh, wind was blowing left to right. I was holding left. I believe if I remember correctly, I was holding left point. I want to say point six or seven target swung left and, uh, we got the hit, right. But we're also yeah. in a race against time at this point because of all the messing around with the gas gun we did. So I swing over to the next target, like five something I dial. And I, I, I guess it didn't really register to me to hold a lot less. I think I just cut a little bit off. I held left one mil and we missed left. And I'm like, shit, there's another miss, right? Now we got three misses on one stage. Like, son of a bitch. Swing to the next target, hold left point eight, hit, move to the next position, clean the rest of the targets, right? But the damage is done at this point, you know? Like, so now we're sitting there and we're like, well, fuck, what do we do? And thankfully, the guys who were ROing us said, I have another lower. And I'm like, oh, thank you. thank you. It's awesome. But it's in the truck. Damn it. That's not awesome. Right? So I'm like, uh, Ray, what do you want to do? Yeah, if it works, let's do it. Okay. So doing the right thing, we call Jimmy, match director. Jimmy, my trigger broke on the gas gun. I have the ability to use a different lower. We're not going to change the optic or nothing else, just the lower, but it's in the truck. Yeah, Tyler, that's fine. You guys can change it out. but the flow of the match cannot stop. And I'm like, fuck, you know, like, okay. So I go, I set my stuff down. I leave everything for you because if I don't make it back in time, you're going to have to take my bolt gun and shoot the next stage without me. Yeah. Forgo the carbine. Shit. Yep. Forgo the carbine at this point. So I set my stuff down. I leave my magazines, my dope car to leave everything for you. They give me their keys and I take off running. And I, I really didn't know at the time how far away I was. I just knew <laughs> that we were at stage three on the south course. I take off running towards the road so that I could get on the road and run faster. So I get on the road and look, there is a 1,200 yard target. And the shooting range for Blue Steel Ranch is normally on the backside of the house. The parking lot is another 
four or 500 yards away from the house. So I get on the road. And I'm like, fuck, there's a 1200 yard target. So this is a mile run to get to the, to the truck. So I'll run back. <laughs> hell yeah, I'm running my ass off, right? I'm running, running, running. I get up to the house, run through the yard, jump over the fence, run through the woods, get into the parking lot. And now I'm running. And people are like, oh, fuck, Tyler's running. Like, what happened? You know, There's so something that, bad. Yeah, something bad happened. But I don't have time to stop and talk. As I'm you got half a rifle, too. <laughs> yeah, as, as I'm running by my truck, I toss the lower receiver. And somebody's like, is that a lower? I'm like, yep, doesn't work anymore, you know? Get into their truck, grab the new lower receiver, and I'm off. Like, not even waving to people. I'm just sprinting as fast as I can. I probably didn't even have enough oxygen to say hello at this point. Hop the fence, run past the house, down the hill, up the road, and I don't know where to turn to get back to where I left all of my stuff. And luckily, I'm the only one running on the road, so I'm the only footprints in the sand. <laughs> nice. <laughs> follow my, yeah, follow my footsteps running i see the target i run past that and now i'm good i'm like oh my god i pull out my phone i don't even stop running as i'm texting you ray i'm on my way back stall stall right <laughs> and then i see uh josh and glenn from independence training they're like hey tyler i'm like hey how's it going oh my god you know i <laughs> already told them the story of what happened so they were kind of just chuckling at like our our expense we get there slap that new lower on and it's like oh you know, I can't believe I made it back fast enough for us not to miss any shooting, you know, like. Yeah, because I was ROing the guys behind us. Yeah. So, I mean, that worked out to our benefit. We get to the next stage and it's like nothing changed. You know, we just get back into our groove and we didn't miss another shot until the very last station. And it was just. It was rough. The last station was a little rough. The, the position was funky. We initially had a plan that you were going to shoot three close targets and try to get out of there as fast as possible, but you were going to take a stab at one of the far targets to see what the wind was doing. And I think that's where we got hurt because we spent so much time trying to hit the close targets, which happened to be on the left side of the range, and you were getting more of a full value wind. Your wind call that you gave me was perfect. Yeah. But we didn't engage. We didn't have time to engage the far right targets where the value of the wind had changed drastically. And I didn't really think about how drastic it would be. I was holding roughly an eight or nine mile an hour wind for the left targets. The right targets, which we had no data on whatsoever, was a little bit different. And I was holding about half of what the uh, – what the uh, what I was holding for the left, and I have no idea where they went. I didn't see trace. The targets were sitting in front of bushes, so if you miss, you have no idea where the impact goes, and it just didn't work out for us. So we ended up missing a few targets there, right? And having eh, what did we what did we miss? Uh, nine on day three, so four of those, or Eight. sorry, two of those being chalked up to. Uh, to, to your gun going down again, you know, so, but shit happens, shit happens. We persevered. We kept a positive attitude and we kept trucking, man. We just kept going, kept 
you know, trying to forget about bad things that would happen and just be upbeat, be happy that we're out shooting, having a good time and, you know, trying to compete. And I think it worked yeah. out well. I think. And I, I think that's the most important is uh, when stuff happens, just deal with it and just work through it and then just keep going. Yeah. Some of the other things I wanted to point out before we talk about any of the assault stages was our teamwork was, I want to say like, you know, as far as me giving you ranges, anytime you'd ask for a range, I'd be there. I'd tell you, Hey, this is the range. I give you a dope trying to make things faster for you. But as the bolt gunner, there's not a whole lot of stuff I can do for you because I'm still trying to find targets and get ranges while you're already laying down, you know, bang, 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 trying to get hits. There was a few times where I'd come and set up a tripod for you, say, hey, here, you know, hold your rifle up, I'll get this, or here, put the game changer down, you know, try to help you out. But for the most part, a lot of the teamwork stuff was actually done by you, right? Yeah. You take your three shots, you get your three hits, and then I would get into position. And while I'm working on three targets from position one, you're already looking at position two, like what's Tyler going to need? Okay, he's got to shoot from this rock. Oh, fuck, he can't see target number three from this rock. He's going to need a tripod. So, like, I run over to the position. I sit down. I shoot the first target, shoot the second target. And you're like, hey, do you need this tripod? I'm like, no. And I'm looking and I'm like, for target use three. Use the tripod. Use I'm, the tripod. Yeah. So, I'm looking for target three. I'm like, I don't fucking see this target. And I, like, lift my body up off the rock. I, I almost half stand up, and I see the target of the tree line. I'm like, fuck. Yeah, right. I'm going to need a tripod. Please bring it down here. Right. So I already set it up for you. I knew you needed it. I don't know why you always question me, bro. Like, yeah. So, I mean, the teamwork part was, was good, you know, and yeah. it was, I'd say this was the best year we've had as a team. A team. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it helps because I, we work together a lot and I know the way you shoot and you know, the way I shoot. Yeah. Uh, I know exactly how it should be positioned, mostly because we're almost the same height, you know? So it's, it makes it a lot easier for me to set up your next position. Yeah. I mean, and also learning from previous mistakes, you know, in years past, you'd shoot your couple targets and then I'd be like, all right, go left. And then you'd go a little bit left. I'd be like, no, no, more left, more left. And like, we'd spend so much time arguing, like more left, right? More left. Just move my rifle, bro. Like I remember one specific stage where I just ran up to you and said this far left. And you like, it was a pretty good movement for you. It was a swing. It was a huge swing. Yeah. You know, so just little things like that. And, uh, you know, I was happy with it. Now, as far as like the assault stages, just do you get, really want to talk about this all stage? A little bit. Yeah, I do. I want to give everybody an idea because I want people to come to this match, right? And if you see or if you saw the post I put up on social media for everybody listening, you know, like the reason I said what I said was Russ and Vanessa, this is their first time shooting in this match and it's their first time working as a team. Um, you know, Russ has never done this match before as a team. And Vanessa, her only experience working as a team was with me. And, you know, anytime I've had a shooter that is a newer shooter, like I will take on 90% of the burden because I, I can do that. But as them working as a team, it's a whole lot different. Now the responsibilities have to get spread a little bit more evenly. So 
they had some struggles, which is to be expected. I think they did really well. Their scores weren't that bad. And, you know, I know that they were a little bit down on themselves for their scores, but they should have been extremely happy with them. 33, and then they just got better every single day, which is what you want, right? Yeah. yeah. But I said in the post, like, don't be talking shit about how they shot as a team if you've never gotten off your ass and actually come to this match to try it out for yourself. It's easy to it, be- it, Yes, it is a lot different when you're actually doing it and working as a team and communication and everything. Uh, yeah, it might look super easy when you're sitting <laughs> on your living room couch, but yeah. go out and do it in the elements. Yeah, so, you know, and that was the only thing I was worried about is like, you know, don't, don't talk shit about newer shooters if you've not actually gone out and done it. You know, don't offer critiquing advice because you're not there. You've never done it. You don't have that experience, right? So come on out and, and experience this. This is, in my opinion, this team challenge and the Steel Safari, the individual challenge, are the hardest matches in the country, if not in the world, when it comes to marksmanship capabilities because you don't have any help. It is just you or just you and your partner. You don't have people to ask what they held for wind. You can't see how somebody else did the stage because you are sitting in a blind hole waiting to be called up to the position. Yeah. You don't get to see any of that. All of your wind calls are yours. All of your positions, your ideas. Should I use a tripod? Should I not use a tripod? You can only use what you brought. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like this is the hardest match because it is 100% all on you. If you do really well, you did great. If you did really bad, you sucked. Like there's nobody else to blame but you. So Go I practice want, more. <laughs> I want to come out. I want people to t- try this match. Like, I promise you, 95% of you, if you love shooting and the challenge, this is the match for you. It is, totally. So, with that being said, talking about the assault stages, Ugh. the way that the scoring is formatted is, let's say team number one shoots a... I don't know. Team number one shoots a 60 on the North course. And then you and I shoot a 59. Well, team number one gets 300 points and we get a percentage of that because we did not score as high as them. So it's a sliding scale. Is that what they call that Ray? Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's how the field stages go. They're 300 point value and you get a percentage of the leader. And then the assault stages, they run the same way. The best scoring team gets 100 points for the assault stage. And then everybody is tiered from there. And um, those are time-based. Yeah, they're, they're like more three-gun style rules where it's time plus penalties instead of hits. So how fast did you get through the course of fire? You know, Justin from... Uh, Red uh, American Saracote? Yeah. They crushed it on Assault 1, I believe. Oh, my goodness. Yes, they did. 117 seconds. Just yeah, they did. Blew it away, man. Yeah. Like, damn. Um, yeah, they, Justin and Ty killed it. They did. They did an awesome job. Uh, Red American Cerakote. And, you know, just want to give a shout-out to Justin really fast. Did you get a chance to check out uh, Vanessa's rifle, Ray? Yeah, I saw that. The pink... Uh, Skulls with the flowers. Yeah, skulls and flowers and like that. Uh, what's that pink? Sh- 
I forget the proper name for it. Um, it was an iPhone. What is it? A periwinkle? I don't think it's periwinkle. It was an iPhone color. Oh, rose gold? Rose gold, that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he just, he crushed that paint job. It made it look super awesome. It's uh, on an MDT chassis. If you guys get a chance, go check out one of our Instagram posts where you can see the actual, um, well, not the rifle, but the chassis all painted up. And Justin did an awesome job. You also oh, okay. can I can I insert a comment? I was gonna say, don't you have a knife? Uh, well, let, let's let's okay. So here's my comment. I am gonna start a painting stocks business too. Okay. It's gonna be all Krylon <laughs> <laughs> to compete with Justin, so he will cry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not gonna happen. Oh. Um, I've never even seen your painting skills. I don't care. I want to paint real ugly. Like I, I'm building a new AR and I told him, he's like, Oh, right. Let me paint your new AR." And I'm like, hell no, I'm gonna make that shit hell ugly. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> <cool> on that. <laughs> so uh, it's an ongoing joke. It's an ongoing yeah. joke. Anyway. Super good dude. Does really cool paint jobs. And I mean, it was awesome. It, it was a good paint job. So I just want to throw that out there for him. And, uh, you know, but they crushed it on the assault stage. So to give you an idea, this year there were only two assault stages. The way that assault stages go down is it could be run like a three-gun match where you got to run down a lane, shoot this target, run over here, shoot this target, right? Or it could be some kind of mind fuckery where you got to, you know, stand on one foot and do this or shoot this target when this color appears, you know? It, you never know. So just because it says assault doesn't mean that you're just blindly running in and shooting everything. There's some thought that goes into it. Well, assault one wasn't, uh, wasn't anything crazy, right? It was partially marksmanship skills and carrying a fucking 200 pound dummy or 140 pounds or however many pounds that thing weighs, right? It felt like he was 200 pounds. I don't know. I heard all kinds of numbers being thrown out. So we'll say between 100 and 200. How about that? Okay. He's a heavy boy. So first thing is you're starting, you're standing there. Both shooters have their rifles in their hands. I got my rifle. I got my pistol on my hip. You got your pistol in your hip. Ready? Go. I drop down in the prone and I have to shoot four diamond targets that are 12 inches at 300 yards. Easy peasy, right? I got my wind call. The wind was blowing pretty damn good that day. So think about this. I'm shooting a 6XC, X-Ray Charlie, okay? Six millimeter. It's not a hot load coming out about 3050, okay? For a 300-yard shot, I was holding half a mil, but I was hammering these things center. So if you clear everything with the bolt gun, then you get to clear it, unload it, and set it off to the side. If you miss one shot, you have to pick everything up, dummy included, and you and your partner have to move in a zigzag pattern to the next flag, lay down, and shoot it again until you clear that stage. Well, I hit all four first time, clear the rifle. Now we got to grab the dummy. We got to move about 15 yards up to the yellow caution tape, and now it's your turn. Now they made it somewhat difficult because. If you're too low to the ground, part of the targets would be obscured by the grass. But then the other thing that we didn't anticipate was 
you were shooting a little bit high and a lot of people were actually shooting high. Yep. And it, you know, I think we all came to the final conclusion that it had to do with mirage, mirage. right? There was a lot of mirage. So your wind calls were good. You were holding yeah. one mil right, but the mirage was giving you a false perception of where the target was. So you were actually shooting over the target. So we had yeah. to move four times. Every time you miss, we'd have to pick up and move. We finally got to the last portion and ding, ding, ding. You hit one, two, three, four. We clear the rifle, move the dummy over to the pistol range, which was, I don't know what, 40 yard run. <laughs> With that stupid dummy. God With that heavy ass dummy. <laughs> now you're shooting your pistol at, what was it? Uh, I don't remember how many targets, Ray. Five or six? Four. 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 One, two, three, four. Hit with the pistol, unlimited ammo, but you cannot advance until both shooters have hit all four targets. And you, I think the first line, I'm probably off on the distances, but I'm going to say like 30 or 35, 30 yards. And then you pick up, move forward five yards, shoot the same targets. Pick up, move yeah. forward five yards, shoot the same targets. We pick up, move up. Right, so you finish it like 15 yards or 10 yards away or whatever that was, and um, it was not bad, right? But where we lost all of our time was the carbine misses that we had, yeah. Because of that parallax issue. So, I mean, a lot of people had that problem. So our assault stage on day two is a little bit slow and nowhere near the fastest time. So we only ended up with roughly 45 out of the available hundred points. And that, that hurt a little bit, right? But I think day two hurt even worse. Oh, yeah. Let's, <laughs> I don't even – it was so painful, I don't want to talk about it. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Like, well, I mean, I already told pretty much everybody that we had a pretty big issue, which was you get down to the assault stage, and there's a IPSC target with the instructions of – the shoot written on it. And you and I both read it. I read it multiple times. People around us read it. And, um, you know, Brian Whalen, they, they were with us. They read the same thing. And, um, you know, they, they had a similar idea of what we had, which is it's rifle, carbine, and two pistols. You start here in this like little creek bed. You shoot all the pistol targets that are cardboard. Bang, bang, bang. You got to do to the chest, one of the head. And yeah, as you run up, as you run down this lane, right? So you and I fucking bang, 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 bang. Every, every target you get to the caution tape, you unload, show clear with your pistol holster. And now you load your rifles. And the way that I read the instructions were the carbine and rifle only have to shoot one shot on all cardboard paper targets. And then any steel targets would have to be, there was two targets hanging per frame. The left targets for rifle, the right targets for carbine. One shot or one hit, right? As many rounds as it takes, one shot, one hit. And uh, so you and I start running down this lane, right? And I'm looking off to the, yeah, I'm looking off to the right and it's just, it's like a brown cliff. I think the cliff was like 50 or 60 yards away. 
and I'm looking for cardboard targets. And I'm like, damn, these cardboard targets are going to blend right in with this brown shit, you know, like there's sage bush everywhere. And I'm not seeing any cardboard targets. I even stopped at one point. I'm like looking around. I'm like, Ray, do you see any targets? I'm looking. I can't And then moving. I saw a frame. I was like, is that a frame for us? Yeah. And then you were like, yeah, look, there's a steel target. Like, are we supposed to shoot that? And the RO was like, yeah, you've already passed a couple of them. We're like, damn it. Right? So now. But we- it was, at that point, we passed where we could even see them because I can only see the top of the, the I know. Frame. Yeah, all we could target. do is frame. Couldn't even see the targets anymore. So that caused us a lot of points. Every unhit target is plus 20 20 seconds. seconds. So at this point, now we're running down the lane, but we're slowing ourselves up because now we're really looking for steel targets instead of cardboard. But we thought we were looking for cardboard at first. So we were never looking for steel. It didn't register, whatever, right? So... We get to the end. We're a little bummed because what did it take us? Like it took Long us time. 300 and some seconds, but with all the penalties, we ended at like four, 450 seconds. Oh, it was painful. It was, it was painful. painful. It was, painful. it was so bad. And you know, I told Zach or I told Jimmy and Casey, I'm like, dude, we didn't even know we were looking for steel. We thought it was cardboard paper, you know, I had even set your dial. I dialed your scope for four and a half mils thinking that we were going to be shooting 10 yard cardboard targets. Yeah. Lo and behold, all of these steel targets are like 50, 60, 75 yards. So you're shooting way over the target. I had to reach over and dial you back down to zero. Yeah. Like it was just a cluster fuck and a half. It was one of those stages where it's like, can I get a mulligan? Can I get a mulligan? <laughs> Can I you get know? a mulligan? Please, please. I want to redo this stage. Who do I have to bribe or kill? You know? But anyways, uh, so assault stages have always been our weakness. You they know? have been. Yep. Uh, and I am building a carbine so I can do the matches over here in Arizona and pistol matches too to get better at this assault stage. Well, I remember you telling me that you were going to be doing the uh, – the, uh, carbine classes or not classes but the carbine like precision rifle carbine stuff at Caltown yeah. with Arizona crew yeah have you and done I'm gonna, uh, well I don't have a carbine yet <laughs> I'm still collecting pieces what are you missing right now I'm missing a barrel uh, a BCG and now I have to think about a good BCG because I don't want one to break on me like this weekend um a lower part parts kit uh i think that's it did i say barrel yeah okay so you got about half your parts right yeah yeah barrel still need a bolt carrier group some lower parts stuff um it'll come along but i think uh man those precision gas gun matches are so fun ray and have you done one yet anywhere? Have you done uh, one in Vegas? You remember the precision, uh, the PR. Well, yeah, gun. we did a PRS gas gun uh, matches like back in the day, but yeah. none of this uh, new stuff. I haven't done one in like hella years. Okay, so I think it'll come back quick for you, but. Yeah, well, I just needed to be quicker on my feet. Uh, I, you know. Say that again. Uh, technical difficulties. Ray? Hello? 
Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, we totally lost you. So you're gonna have to start again from, you're gonna have to be quicker on your feet. Oh yeah, I wanna cross train with some of those like three gun guys or two gun guys because they're very efficient in their movement. That's very true, that's very you true. Know? Um, yeah. A little bit different style, but same concept, uh, holdovers only, not a lot of dialing. I mean, but we've yeah. done this before, it's just been a while for you. Uh, but I think I just, yeah, I just need to go out there and do it. I just need more practice. I just, you know, like it, it is what it is. You just need to do it. It's it's so much fun. So, uh, and with that, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but if you are in the Vegas, SoCal, or Phoenix area, don't forget that in December, Sin City Precision is having the annual Bill Guessman gas gun precision gas gun match right and this year it's going to be held at las vegas metro's uh training facility it's supposed to be awesome i i'm competing in it so i have no idea what the course fire is going to look like what is it can you tell me about it i don't know anything about it okay so the um the gas gun match is the annual memorial bill guessman um he was a law law enforcement officer here in vegas uh he passed away last year Okay. And, um, he was always involved in the bolt gun matches here in Sin City. He loved being around everybody, just a good dude. And, you know, his, his number one saying, we all have bracelets now that have his, have his uh, badge number on them. And it says, don't be a little bitch. Cause that was his thing. Don't be a little bitch. And, uh, you know, so now we do this gas gun match this year. It is being held on, let's see. December 19th. It's a one day event and it's just a hell of a good time, especially when you're at the Metro facility for uh, the police here. They have a really cool facility, super amazing scenery, props. And, uh, you know, so like I said, I haven't seen the actual course fire, but you know, I've offered up suggestions on things that we could do, try to stretch some distance a little bit. But the so is this match more like a like a precision gas it, gun match, or it, is it more like a three gun kind no, of? No, no, it's precision gas three. gun. So, okay. you know, you're going to shoot from props. You're going to shoot at ta static targets. There's not a lot of movement. I mean, you might move from one barricade to the next, but you're not running, you know, 50 yards down uh, a shooting lane or anything like that. So it is precision gas gun and yeah. you know, it's time plus plus penalties, not, uh, not PRS scoring, but time plus penalties. So you got to be fast, but for the classes. Okay. So, uh, Max Orton is actually doing the trophies for this beast this year. And I got them all dialed up. They look super, super awesome. They are, uh, I can't wait to show them to everybody once they get made. But the I'm trying to look for the positions right now. Let's see. Let's see. I have them. Uh, Jeremy sent them to me. But obviously, you got open class, which is like first, second, third place, right? But then you also have other classes. And these have more to do with the equipment that you're going to use instead of like, you know, classic and everybody's shooting 308 and, and 223 right um, so you just fall into the overall but we have top open division has a trophy top designating marksman division and top special purpose rifle division 
plus top law enforcement guy, right? So you have first, second, third, and then open DM, SPR, and then LE. I'm not completely clear. You'd have to look at Sin City's website or you'd have to look at the, um, um, man, I'm trying to think of what it was that Jeremy told me, but these rules come from an East Coast Precision Shooting Club, right? And uh, Quantified Performance, that's the name of it. So you look at these rules and they break down how you are classified. What's the magnification of your optic? What caliber are you shooting? You know, all of these things come into play about where you're classified. So got all the trophies out there being laser cut into some steel, getting painted. They're two-piece trophies. Um, Super awesome. But that's in December and I can't wait to participate in it. I was fortunate enough to win it last year win or lose it's just it's cool to be there right and bill's yeah wife, just support yeah you know bill's wife came out and she was just so blown away by everybody who came out to support the match and, and be there and talk about bill so uh ray i hope i hope we get to see you there you better get some practice in though girl yeah save me a slot um or how, how do they sign up on sin city's website or yeah practice score yeah, it'll be on Sin City's uh, Facebook page, but they haven't released the um, the signups yet. It's supposed to be this week. So for everybody that's local. Now, I don't want to push people away, all right? But I will say that local people, Vegas and then Phoenix, SoCal, like people in this area that actually knew Bill have priority. Yeah. They are saving, I think, roughly 20 slots or so for people outside of the area that didn't know bill, but the priority is for people that knew bill to get first dibs. So I will, I will put that out there, right? I've I've been hit up by people in Washington and and people from other parts of the country that want to come out here for this match, which is awesome. We love the support, but the local people will get first dibs on the match slots. Um, And as this thing gets bigger, I think, you know, we'll probably see more people from around the country, but for right now, it's still a memorial shoot for all of us to get together and reminisce about not being a bitch around Bill and shit like that. Yeah. So I had one of those bracelets on. I was like, "What? What is this, Ray?" Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was like, "Don't worry about it." <laughs> but uh, so yeah, the gas gun match is coming up, and it's just an awesome time, you know. But the assault stages are not really like precision gas gun shooting because we ran pretty much. I mean, Assault Stage 1, it was prone for rifle and carbine. But Assault Stage 2 was all unsupported, right? And Running. Uh, yeah, running. I mean, you're running. You'll stop. You get in position. You take your shot standing, maybe kneeling if you can see the target from a kneeling position. Yeah, uh, I've shot a couple targets kneeling. So there was one thing that you said to me, and, uh, you know, you didn't have a choice when I showed up and I handed you the gas gun that you would be using for the match, I had put some Falcor weights on the carbine. And you're like, what is this? I'm like, you know, for field shooting, it's not overly heavy, yeah. but it really helps keep the muzzle down and just drive that rifle in awkward positions. And I think yeah. it helped. No, I liked it. I liked but, it during field matches. Yeah, for the field stages, right? But for yeah. the assault stages... We took them off so that you wouldn't have to deal with that extra weight on the front end of the rifle, which was fine. But for me, 
you know, I'm running my competition gun. I didn't take my ultralight sniper adventure challenge set up from DCC arms. I stayed with my Falcor action XLR chassis with all the weights on it. You know, this gun's built by DMR and I ran it like I ran every other match. I didn't take any weights off. And I know you had said something to me like, boy, you crazy. Like why you got all them weights on there? Right. I know. It's yeah. That's how heavy is that rifle? Well, it's funny, like another, another guy, another shooter was talking to me and he's like talking about my rifle, the paint job and, and all the weights. And I'm like, I think it comes in right around 22 pounds. Um, I'm not really sure of the weight. I've never weighed it. Like I put it together. I liked how it felt and I just went with it. I have no idea what the weight really is. I think it's at 22. With that being said, like why, in my mind, why would I want to change it? Like why, why take the weights off? If I choose to practice and run around with that rifle and bring it to this match, shouldn't I keep it in its original configuration? Like, isn't that part of the challenge? Unless those weights were quick detach, then the whole purpose is to run the rifle the way that I brought it. And yeah. so I wanted to stay true to that. So I didn't, I didn't remove any weights. I didn't change anything. I said, I got to suck it the fuck up. And I got a <laughs> assault stage with a 22 yeah. rifle. Like that's it, you know, but you're fit. So I mean, it didn't really bother you. And you know, the other thing is like the fundamentals don't change. You still got to take that rifle, get into a good standing position, get your natural point of aim, focus on the reticle and press off a clean shot. So it didn't really affect us in terms of us moving through that course of fire. I think other things affected us more now the reason i took the weights off your gun was you didn't choose that setup like i brought that rifle for you you didn't get to choose anything on how it was built so you know i wanted you to be able to run it the way you wanted so you know but for me i was just like i'm gonna run it the way that i brought it uh shouldn't be any reason that i had to change it you know if you got to bust out tools to take weights and shit off then you should be running the whole match that way that's the way i see it i mean do you agree? You disagree? What are your thoughts? I agree. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was pretty much our weekend. I thought it was a good time. We definitely got humbled on some of the assault stages. I think that is the area of focus for next year is like, got to get better on these freaking assault stages, you know, cause that's where we lose between assault one and assault two. We lost 110 points. 110. I don't know what that would have done to the, to the rankings, you know, because would we have won those stages? No, probably not. No, you know, not Andy and Colin were on fire and I just got to, you know, now that I'm on that subject, I want to say this. I love Andy Reinhardt, right? Colin Fawson, Colin, he's got his own soft goods, uh, little setup out there. He's making bags, making all kinds of cool shit, things for your tripods, things to carry stuff around efficiently. But those two as a team, right? This year, unstoppable. They had kind of the same, just by looking at the scores, Ray, they had, they had kind of the same issue that you and I had. Day one, just kind of getting back into the groove of things. But then day two, crushed it. Day three, crushed, crushed it more, it. you know? Uh, day two and three, um, if I'm correct, 
they had the highest scores on the stages they shot day two and three both days. Yes, yes, they did. And the assault stages, they may have won one of them with the fastest time, but even if they didn't, they were up there. I mean, out of three or out of 100 points, they had like 98 or something like that. Like they were moving. They did awesome. They kicked some ass. And that's so cool to see. What's really impressive is uh, (laughs) on what was the last day, they dropped one shot. One. Yeah. Amazing. It was. It was really cool to see them just bust out an awesome victory. And uh, to shoot well together, you know, so, but uh, I mean, outside of that, I I think we covered a lot about competition dynamics. I think anybody out there listening, they don't hold matches every month. Okay. It's come June, you have the steel spar, which is an individual match. Okay. If you've never shot it before, that's fine. There's a couple of things you could do. Now, steel safari is such a, Oh, fuck, Ray, help me out with some vocabulary here. Like, exquisite or up on a pedestal match? Like, it only happens once a year. So, you could RO and get a lot of experience, right? You could see how people run the stage. You could see what gear you need. And, you know, but then you got to wait a whole year to shoot. Or you could just say, fuck it. I'm going to grab my shit. I'm going to listen to this podcast. I'm going to go online. I'm going to ask Ray. I'm going to ask other shooters. I'm going to call up Andy Reinhardt. I'm going to ask these guys what they think I should bring. And I'm just going to do it. And you can do that. And I promise you every single day you'll get better because on one day you're going to RO a team. The next day you're going to RO a different team. The third day you're going to RO another team. And every day you're going to learn something from the teams that you RO, but you're also going to learn a lot about yourself, right? a lot about your gear that you chose to bring. Does it help? Does it not help? Why did I bring this 10 pound game changer? You know? <laughs> so, um, you, you just, you, it is the most learning you will ever do in a three day setting. I promise you that. Uh, so you got seal spar in June then you have the team challenge put on by Burris, the Burris team challenge, which is more of a, you, you gotta be a little bit fit. You know, be able to hike really fast or run, find targets, engage them, range them, make wind calls, all of that stuff, but it's with a partner. And that's a fun match. It's a very different format, but there's a lot of high-paced, high-movement stuff going on there. And then the Sniper Adventure Challenge, which, you know, only the crazy of craziest people go out there and do that, but it's still cool to come out and RO and help be around those type of people, right? The type of people who want to go out and compete and push themselves and be at that level. And then you have the team challenge, the team steel safari, which we just concluded. Again, it's, it's a match like no other, and it's not as physically demanding, but working with your partner, you're going to learn a lot. Like, do you even like that person? And, uh, you know, good matches. Good, good time to get out there, show your skill, show what skill you might not have and how to get better. So, um, Ray, this match itself, right? Everybody's going to have some kind of issues when it comes to gear. We all do. Every year we learn something new. Yeah, or we find our gear. How do I like my rifle? Do I like the rear bag that I brought? Did the rear bag serve multiple purposes? 
So the, the last conversation I want to get into is kind of about gear and why we bring what we bring or what we learn for next year. And one that sticks out in my mind is, uh, I believe Vanessa and another shooter. I like the game changer Schmedium bag. It's got that heavy sand fill on the inside. That's my jam, right? And I brought that. It is on the heavy side. So if you're a person who struggles to hike three miles a day or so, right, maybe you want to go on the lighter side. But that's what I wanted. And the reason I wanted it is because it serves a purpose for everything that I need. If I need to shoot prone, it's my rear bag. If I need to shoot off of a rock and I'm not going to have bipods, it's my support bag that my rifle's sitting on, you know, like that is my do all bag. So that's why I brought it. I was willing to sacrifice and carry the weight to have that ability. Now, does it mean I want to bring like four or five different bags? No, I want to bring one bag that's going to do everything I need. I don't need a pump pillow, right? I have a backpack. My backpack can serve as my pump pillow. I have a tripod. I have a range finder, right? So for me, I would say everything I brought this year, I'm, I'm not changing anything. I liked everything about my setup. We've done this match for multiple years. And I think now the only thing that kind of changes is maybe some preventative maintenance. Like this year I found myself after every day, wiping the gas gun bolt down, wiping the bolt action bolt down, running a patch down the barrel, just to get any dirt and debris out of both rifles, cleaning the chambers out, making sure that every round is going to feed functionally, putting some lube on the gas gun, but not a lot to attract a lot of dirt, just enough to help it function, you know, cleaning the lenses off of the optics so that they can see the way they were meant to. Like my game is all about preventative maintenance. Now I think we figured out the gear portion. And I think some of the rifle issues that you and I had were, you know, how do you, how, how are you going to know that a gas key bolt is going to snap that it? Yeah. But we, we've been to enough matches where we should have known to bring an extra BCG or bring an extra rifle, but uh, our extra rifle was being used That's by Vanessa. But you're right. Some of those things, like I didn't think to bring another trigger for a gas gun. I brought one for a bolt gun. Not for a gas gun. And that will be in my pack next year. Yeah. Well, just bring a whole second gas gun. <laughs> uh, you know, a bolt carrier. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in the past, last year, you and I had issues. And uh, it was with my rifle. We actually sheared the extractor off of, uh, off of the bolt gun. And um, we didn't have a second bolt. I only brought one Curtis action. <laughs> which was stupid because I have two of them. You, yeah. you learned our lesson soon. If you have two, bring it. Bring the exact actually, same one. You can part it out. <laughs> yeah, we had, this, we had to actually switch entire rifles. Luckily, we were able to stay with the same caliber, but we had to switch entire rifles just to finish through the match. You know, like... <laughs> So it's yeah, just, and and with everybody like these matches, you run your gear hard. There's dirt and dust, and, like oh, you're yeah. banging around stuff. So your gear, like sometimes, will fail. You know, I mean, it's 
these aren't, don't bring out your safe queen because it's going to get ran into the dirt, you know? Oh, like, 100% it's going to get ran into the dirt. You're going to know if you can depend on that rifle and that gear. And, and that gear, was, yeah. I was, I was thinking about this this morning at the gym is uh, every time we would finish a stage, our rifles be cleared out. We'd set our rifles to the side, you know, for you, your bolts back. So we'd close the dust cover for me. My rifle's cleared, but I would push the bolt forward, but not lock it down while we were staged, you know, rifles pointing in a safe direction just to keep dirt that we kick up with our feet from getting into these systems. And it made me start thinking about like maybe next year I want to go with one of those Coltac rifle covers or something like that, or one of those blocks that you put in the magwell to keep dirt from getting in there. You know, just it's so, man, I mean, the environment out there is going to test you in every single way. One day it was cold. One day it was hot. It's always it dusty. It's always windy. dirty. What's that? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just everything that you could get into. Fuck, I stepped on a cactus. It went right through my shoe, you know, like it's just stuff like that. Um, you know, so just always thinking about how you can manage your gear better. But if there was one thing that you could change, um, you know, for, for tripods, you and I are both using Crux Ord. We have the 42 millimeter version. It's a beefy tripod, but it doesn't weigh a lot. It's not like, oh my God, you got this big ass tripod. Like the tripod is very lightweight. It's all carbon fiber, but it is extremely stable and there's a lot you can do with it. I would say yeah. I am extremely happy with those tripods. The only thing is sometimes you can get into a position where you have to shoot from the tripod, but the angle of the leveling head on top will only give you 18 degrees up or down. So there was times where you and I just chose to throw a game changer up top so that we could take those shots because the ball head would limit our ability to aim up or down. Right. Yeah. And, no, that was a really, really good plan to use that bag in yeah. that position. So, I mean, we did that. We, we, we overcame any of those situations instead of trying to fight with the legs to find the perfect angle for the tripod. Um, your by or sorry, not your bipods, but your, Binos, you are using, go ahead, why don't you tell us about your binos so people will know your setup. Uh, I use the Steiner binos with the laser range finder and a reticle in it, and uh, not a lot of people make uh, binos with a reticle, and I find that very beneficial for these team matches because I can walk my partner on, or if I'm using it to spot, I can tell him how far he missed and correct him in mills. Yeah. Yep. That's always been very helpful. I know there's multiple times where I'm shooting, I'm hitting the target and you're actually telling me like, Hey, you're point two left. You hit the target, but target spun left, you hit point two left and you're, you're constantly updating my wind calls and those binos are helping out a huge amount. Uh, the binos I'm using are the vortex optics fury five thousands. And I used them first time last year and fell in love. There's no reticle but I love having a rangefinder that I can depend on inside the binoculars, right? Trying to find targets with a monocular, right? Some of those rangefinders like the SIG or the um, Terrapin or some of these other monocular devices, they don't provide the depth perception you need to acquire targets. So having a bino setup is almost a necessity. So having my rangefinder in a bino like Ray, 
is, you know, never again will I go back. Now, that being said, you've got Colin and Andy who just won this entire match and crushed it. Colin's using a bino setup with a laser rangefinder off to the side. So it's not saying it can't be done, but the one common denominator is he's still got binos to find targets and then rangefinder to range it. Yeah. Um, I mean, our, our rifle setups are our rifle setups. Everybody knows mine. It's the uh, loophole optics on top and, you know, the gas gun. We're both using sky bipods, um, but we're, we don't have the super tall version or anything like that. I'm not sure if having the tall sky pods would have made a huge difference for us, Ray. Like we have the short PRS version. I yeah, just, just because we're so comfortable using the tripod. Yeah, I just don't know if having the long ones would have given us any benefit. So it's hard to say. You know, if, if I had them, would I have used them? Probably. Yeah. probably. But yeah. I didn't feel like I was hindered by not having them. They're pretty um, sweet, though. But I, it's yeah. a pretty hefty price tag. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, anything worth having's definitely got a price tag with it. So uh, our packs... I'm using the Mystery Ranch Rad Pack, which is actually a medical pack that I converted into a shooting pack. I just like the way it's configured. I like all the pouches everywhere and, you know, the ability to, to access shit. Whereas you are using which model? Uh, the three-day assault. Three-day assault. So Which I, I didn't really need to bring because I was... I was just going to go without a pack and just carry my mags on me, but I did have to carry water. That's why I brought the pack. Yeah. So as a carbine shooter, this was something that we were toying around with is you really don't need to bring your pack. If you don't, if you don't need it, you could take your rifle, your tripod with your binos. And, you know, if you're wearing a chest rig and maybe a camelback, you'd have everything you need plus a belt with mags on your body so you wouldn't need anything else uh, you'd be very light uh, very efficient and you know it's, we were kind of talking about how many rounds a carbine shooter would need and i don't know how many rounds you ended up going through but between the assault stages and the field stages right five different courses of fire i had given you I want to say 360 rounds of match grade 77 grain ammo and we had Still three full mags left over by the time it was all said and done. And I don't, yeah. think, I don't think most of that. We, we gave 30 rounds away to the other team so that they would have more. Um, yeah. You know, so when it's all said and done, a carbine shooter only shoots at three targets every single stage. So if you were to hit everything first round, that's 21 shots fired. Now let's say it takes you four or five shots to hit every single target. Now you're at 100 rounds per day. So... I mean, you really have to just kind of analyze how much you would need per day, but I don't think anybody would really need more than four magazines for every outing, which is easily carried on the body. Um, you know, shoes, uh, I forget what shoes you had on, Ray. What, what shoes did you wear? Uh, the Cross Track 5s, the Solomons. Okay, okay. The, uh, the Solomons um, got that beefy tread on the bottom. Um, I think the first day I wore my old Solomons, but I hadn't worn them in so long. They were just, they were irritating my feet. So I switched over to my ultras and, uh, same shoes I wore for the sniper adventure challenge. 
I like them much better. I feel like moccasins. That cactus. What's that? The persephone on that cactus. <laughs> yeah, that was just, um, there's little vent holes in the toes on those ultra shoes. And it just was like the perfect angle. And it went right through that vent hole and into my toe. Like crying like a little bitch. It hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, outside of that, I, th I think our gear was, that was it. Like I took a game changer, you took a game changer, but you took the game changer with light fill in it. Uh, yeah. Which I use for all my matches now just to keep it consistent. Yeah. I mean, that was it. it we, we traveled very light, very efficient and just, you focus on getting the hits, right? You focus on what the wind is yeah. doing, how, how the targets rotate when you hit them. You're constantly adjusting your holds for wind based off of what you see, what you feel, you know, and you're not always engaging the closest target. Prime example is stage one on the North course. You and I, it's our first day out. We lay down. All the targets are there pretty much in a row going from left to right. It's six targets, one position stage. The targets are varying from 380 yards to 460. So, they're not that far away from each other, but every target is a pretty small diamond. I would say eight inch diamonds, except for the far right, right? There's one target at 450 yards. It's a big ass circle. And that's the first target you and I both shot because it gave us a big enough target to judge our wind call were we good on a wind call were we bad on the wind call and then it allowed us to move to those smaller targets with confidence so you're not always shooting the closest target first sometimes you're shooting the bigger target or a target Shoot the that one that gives you the most information first yeah exactly so uh other than that ray i mean it was a hell of a good time this weekend you know even with all of the issues that we ran into i think uh you know over the past few years we just really tighten shit up and uh you know i want to see new shooters out there i love hearing new shooters and their stories because every time i hear a story from a new shooter like hearing russ and vanessa talk um you know and, and other guys who come up and tell me and talk to me is uh everything that you and i've all experienced together whether you were partnered with paul before i was partnered with clint i've been partnered with jason um you know, uh, not Jason Sanju, but Jason from us optics back in the day, you know, like I've had numerous partners who didn't have the same experience that I had and the issues that we had to work through. Like we've experienced all of these. So when, when I hear these stories, like it, it takes me back to where we started, you know, like it's just a good time and, uh, look forward to many more, you know, 2021 can't come soon enough. Get rid of all this COVID bullshit. And, uh, the only last thing, Ray, I really want to hit on, I don't know how long we've been talking, but you know, I don't want to leave it out is kind of over the summer. I don't want to say that you walked away cause you didn't walk away, but you spent a lot of time in the ELR world and not as much time in NRL and PRS. And yeah, well, a lot of the matches that I was signed up for all canceled because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, or like I'm not. I'm not knocking it. I'm not, I'm not judging or anything like that. I think it's awesome that you jumped into the ELR world. You've been kicking ass and taking names and I've been, you know, 
and I want to say that with a grain of salt. I don't want any douchebags out there fucking talking shit in some forum about a female shooting ELR. Like, I thought that was the biggest crock of shit people out there trying to dog you because you're a female shooting better than them. Like, suck it the fuck up and realize that you actually have skill and that you know what you're doing. Um, you've written a few articles. So let's start with that. I know that you recently wrote an article talking about everything that you've done over the past five or six years that kind of helped and molded you into being able to run some of these large rifles. Where was that article written? Um, the one you're talking about is on the NRA shooting sports, the October issue. Okay. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about my first ELR match up at uh, New Mexico. Um, so, and everything that I've done up to this point has like pretty much been training me, you know, like I reload, I know how to reload, you know, like uh, you, the first like couple years, ha you know, when we, when I first started competing, gave me a different rifle, different caliber, different platform to run at each match. It was hard. I ate a lot of humble pie, you know, like a lot of malfunctions during stages and you just got to figure it out on the fly and just make the best of it. Uh, and I think that really helped me with this match for just, because if you put any rifle in front of me, I can run it, you know, just give me like a second just to figure out how it works. Yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with it. You know, like I don't have to run one gun, one caliber. I can run multiple calibers, multiple platforms. Uh, so that really, really helped me a lot. The fundamentals, um, going to Max Ordnate, um, it, it's just shooting. Yeah. It, it's all fundamentals. It's the same thing. It's just on a bigger scale. Instead of a 1,000, 1,500 yards, you're shooting two miles, you know? Well, Thanks on the gun. What's that? That was one thing I was going to ask you. So you got this article and you talked about your experience at the match and, and all of these things leading up to how you developed your skill set. And I was talking with Sean Utley uh, a couple weeks ago. He had gone with you to a match somewhere in the country. I forget where it was. Kansas. Yes. Kansas. And, um, you know, so I was talking to Sean. I hadn't talked to you yet to see how the match went, but I do remember the first time you and I went to an ELR match. I didn't shoot. I was just your spotter. And you had your brand new 30, uh, 338 Lapua from yeah. HS Precision that you won. And you were like, hell yeah, I'm going to use this in a ELR match. Now, little did we know that that rifle, we were kind of at a disadvantage, not just with the caliber, but the optic setup, our ability to hold, not having enough elevation for some of the far, far targets, right? How slow it was going, how light the rifle was. Oh my gosh, yeah. it was a hunting rifle. Got my I mean, ass beat. <laughs> I know. I shot three rounds out of it, and I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you know what, just... Run what you're from. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I go back to that experience where you and I had never competed in anything like this. And we didn't know anybody to really guide us through this, but we had a foundation. And the foundation was good fundamentals, good spot corrections, and 
our theory was to shoot fast. Once we got the right correction, we wanted to get those rounds downrange as fast as we could fundamentally so that we could try and keep each bullet in the same conditions as before. And that's yeah. not what we saw from everybody else. From everybody no, else, we saw everybody them was shoot, shooting slow. Yeah. yeah, shoot slow, see where the round impacted, make an adjustment, relax, high five your buddy, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> and then take another shot like 60 seconds later. Whereas like you and I, I'm sitting behind you. I'm like, Ray, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Shooters, you have five minutes. Go. And like that first round goes out. We see the impact. I give you a correction. And within the next 30 seconds, the other four rounds are down the tube already. And it's like, wow, you guys shoot really fast. And it's like, that's, that's how we've done it, you know? And so I talked to Sean and I asked him like, what did he think about our method and are other people out there doing it? And how did he see it being effective compared to other people? And he thought in his mind that was the right way as well. Like you want every bullet to be shot in the same atmospheric conditions, same wind if you can, and do everything fundamentally correct, not come off the gun, not break your position, which is completely different than what he was seeing on the fire line with other shooters. So I guess where I'm going with this whole thing is how is that method working for you? And what like what do you think the mindset is for other ELR shooters who do break their position or you know? Uh, you know I'm just not quite sure like because I'm just getting into this world like I shoot a certain way I have my you know because I'm used to spotting for myself and correcting for myself because I feel like because you know we've done PRS and these CD matches we don't get spotters like, and when I do have a spotter, I feel like it's kind of like cheating, <laughs> but, uh, it's something new that I'm getting used to having a spotter, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I still do everything the same as I do in precision rifle with fundamentals. I stick to the fundamentals. Well, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do some, some digging on this one. I know that you got some friends. Um, what's his name? Paul, um, Paul. Yeah. Paul Phillips. Paul Phillips, you know, world world renowned, um, multiple time king of the two mile champion. You know, maybe we him on the uh, the show. Yeah, love to hear about the different mindsets. Maybe Paul, you know, he's got many many years of experience in this. Can kind of elaborate on what the thought process is. Like, are the rifles just so heavy that you can break your position and not have issues? the targets are so far away that parallax becomes almost nil, you know, like I'm very interested to hear some of the answers to some of these questions and figure out like, you know, what's Paul's method, you know? Yeah. Because we're coming from a different side. Um, they might have a different method of doing things because of a certain reason. And yeah. I'm so new into it. I don't know why they do certain things, but I stick to what I know. Like they all use those F class bags, you know, those rear bags yeah. that go straight back. I, I don't use it because I'm used to using a game changer. I'm used to using a sandbag for many, many years. And from my experience, like if you go to a match, use what you know. Yeah, 
there was, um, man, I, I'd be lying to you if I could tell you, I remember the distance, but I believe it was in the 3,500s. Did you not hit a target in the 3,500s? Uh, 3565. 3565. With a sub MOA impact. Oh man, that's pretty legit. I mean, I'm busting out my calculator right now. You said 3565. Yeah. That is over two miles. Yes, sir. Ooh, damn. Yeah. So I loaded before the match and I, uh, I had the 400 cutting edge blazers and virgin Peterson brass. So I was like, oh, well, this is virgin brass. We'll see. You know, we'll just do some load development like for a day. And it was amazing. I saw how consistent that bullet is at distance. Yeah. I was like, one and done. I don't need to test anything else out. Like, this, this is my recipe right here. This is how we're going to do things, you know? And... I have been just, I love that recipe. We uh, loaded for Sean and he shoots the same as I do. Yeah. I mean, anybody following you, I'm sure by now has seen that when you're on the road, you're taking a jug of powder, taking some some cases and primers Mm -hmm. and you are loading with a portable Frankfurt Arsenal scale. Yep. And a teaspoon. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, so for anybody out there that thought maybe these portable scales are not reliable, well, I think Ray would beg to differ because she's been using it for all of these matches and uh, it's been working phenomenal, right? I mean, I, of course, if you have those fancy scales, they're awesome. But at the same time, I travel a lot in this, this is what I have and it's been working for me. Yeah. Um, and it's also like a superstition because the first match I did pretty well in i want to keep it consistent (laughs) that's true you know superstition is everything i used to wear the same underwear until they got a hole in them so (laughs) (laughs) but uh uh, real quick just give us a rundown of your rifle your optic okay and i know that you're running a uh charlie i'm i'm gonna butcher the name but charlie thorak Tarek. Tarek. there we go like i call it thingamabob or a doohickey. A doohickey. Right, <laughs> a doohickey. So, uh, let's start with the rifle, caliber, weight, you know, any, any details. Okay. It is a uh, JJ Rock Action. They're out of Phoenix, and it, it's their XL model, which yep. is amazing, by the way. Um, it runs smooth. I run it like a PRS rifle, and I'm very impressed because I know what good actions are, and this is a great action. Um, and I have a, I don't want to cut you off, but this is a single feed action, right? It's not a magazine fed. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, it is a 36 inch Bartland barrel. Uh, it is, sits on a McMillan B stock with Accutech bipods. Uh, I actually had to switch out the Picatinny rail to a taller one. Uh, just because the McMillan Beast, the stock is a little wide where I couldn't cant with those bipods. So I needed a taller rail. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get that through McMillan. Uh, and then I run it with a game changer um, and I use spur, a spur mount with a Collis 5 to 25 scope with a Tremor 3, which gives me what? I think 35 mils. 
a hole in the reticle plus yeah. my dials, which is awesome. Okay. And then your, 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 your thingamadiggy. Oh, <laughs> my thingamabob. <laughs> so I have, uh, that Charlie Tarek, which is like, like a prism that you put on. It uses mirrors actually. Um, and it magnets on the scope. You can also have the rail mounted one, but I don't have a rail on the McMillan Beast. Okay. So I use a scope mounted one. So I believe, not to put you on the spot or anything, but I believe when you first got that thing, there's an interesting story behind it. I don't want to talk about it. Let's just not talk about it. I mean, there's just, it's, I call it growing pains, you know, and that's fine. There's all, when you're running new equipment, there's always growing pains to that. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, maybe we'll save we'll save it for another day. But, yeah, uh, yeah. So there was uh, a couple things I was wondering about because I've been talking to Paul Phillips to build this ELR rifle for many years now, uh, but I just never pulled the trigger just because it's a lot of money, you yeah. know, yeah. to get into ELR. Um, the first thing was what action I wanted to use. Um, it was between a bat and a JJ, and I was actually leaning towards bat just because. He was running one, and I think, you know, he's awesome. So I was like, I'm just going to build whatever you build. <laughs> uh, and also Caliber, and also Mag or Single Feet. So I wanted to run. I'm like, let's go big or go home. Like 416 Barrett, just like Paul Phillips. Uh, and then I was like, oh, probably Magazine Feed, uh, just because, you know, I don't know. Because that's what I run in my PRS rifles, right? So I got this. I got to borrow this JJ Rock rifle. 375 shy tags, single feet, JJ Rock action. And it is phenomenal. And I, one thing I don't want the magazine feed, I load my bullets long, you know, don't fit yeah. in the magazine. And I don't shoot fast. I can load single feed that super quick, you know, um, less things to worry about. Also, I really like the JJ Rock action. I didn't have any of the cleaning materials for that rifle. I ran it dirty. Like I ran it like I was shooting at Commodore's Dynamics and it ran flawlessly. So I was like, so JJ rock action. And then, uh, the 375 shy tag, you know, I saw my splash at two miles. All right. Cheaper components. And it's awesome. Like I buy virgin brass from Peterson and just load it with yeah. the 400 grain lasers. They're they, SDs of three freaking one hole yeah i'll take that all day come on now you know <laughs> <laughs> it just it just makes your life a lot easier you know yeah. uh next year i might want to build something a little bit bigger because i kind of want to do some trick shots okay you know like what do you think uh what are you thinking going from 375 up to um something the 416 variant but i'm not quite sure which one Okay. Okay. So something, yeah. something variant off of the four sixteen Barrett, mm. like would it use fifty cal brass? Um, I was kind of looking at the four sixteen Warner, but okay. I can't afford the brass. It's like eighteen dollars for <laughs> the brass one piece. I was like, what? Oh my goodness! This is this is really expensive. I would name each piece of brass like. This is Mo. This is Larry. 
You just have a name for each every, each and every one of them, huh? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would. $18 a pop, come on now. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking right now, let's see here, 416 caliber rifle brass, quality brass from the Quality Cartridge Company. Oh, man, the cost of some of these pieces of brass. <laughs> yeah, it takes time to make. They're all wildcats, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at all of these 416 variants. You got like the, let's see here, the 416 Dakota. I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of cartridges on here I've never heard of, but 416 Dakota is uh, for a box of 20 pieces of brass, it's 62 bucks. Look up uh, Dan Warner, Warner, uh, the 416 Warner. 416 Warner. All right. Let's see here. Hopefully I spelled his name right. 416 Warner Brass. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 550 grain copper solid bullet with a BC. Let's see here. Ooh, those are some pretty bullets. The G7 BC is .637. G7. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not uh, I will have to do some digging around I'm not seeing any of his brass right now and I don't want to waste time but yeah but sounds like your ELR build is pretty awesome I mean it's doing its job and you're very very familiar with all of the components and you know where you want to go with it so I mean that's pretty exciting and there was yeah. one question that I had when you talked about your Charlie Tarek is uh, so it it works off of mirrors right yeah so what it does is you can dial your scope your crosshair is still your crosshair or it elevates your crosshair how many it just depends on how what you have it set because there's like three different models that you got the micro which is like a set uh like so pretend 30 30 mils right and then you have the macro which is uh, from a certain number to like 250 mils if you want and that is adjustable so which one do you have i am going to get the macro what are you running right now i'm running a borrowed macro <laughs> okay so um what is the typical amount of mils that you're adding to yours um the one i have right now is 30 Okay, so 30 mils. So it's basically a lens that gets placed in front of the objective and it is instantly adding 30 mils. So you, your scope could be on zero, yeah. but you have your device in front of your objective. So your crosshair is 30 mils elevation from the beginning. Yes. Okay, so does that only affect elevation i mean well 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 let's see if you got everything all lined up correctly you gotta do a tall target test because if you put that, that thing on crooked <laughs> you're gonna be off on windage you know what i'm saying and that okay that's what i was gonna ask is you know would it affect your windage at all i know that it's not supposed to because it's only supposed to add elevation using those mirrors but I was concerned like if it got put on incorrectly or anything like that it would affect your 
Tremor three dots? Like, are you using the wind dots? No, I don't use the wind dots. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that was one of the questions I had was, would it have any deviation to your windage? And it sounds like it could if installed incorrectly. So well, that's awesome, man. Uh, I think there's more that I want to jump into this ELR. Um, yeah, we'll save that for a separate. Podcast. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've always wanted to do it and, uh, you know, you beat me to it, but it's interesting to learn through your experiences and it would be awesome to try and get Paul on the show and just hear from him, you know, um, yeah, let's compare your guys's two styles and also your experiences, maybe hear about his first time ever doing this ELR stuff. And I'm sure, I don't think he's a extremely old person. I've seen pictures of him and I've seen him at a few matches, but the technology that's developed over just the past two decades has got to be, you know, just the past 10 years has got to be light years compared to what they used to use back in the day, you know, like world records being shattered every year. So it'd be cool to hear about his first experience and uh, you're, going to be in charge of that race see if you can get old phil uh yeah on here definitely um we will i'll get that going cool deal well hey um you know i don't want to take up too much of your time i know that you and i will be hooking up next week uh maybe we could do an in-person podcast together right before we do the guardian match or maybe we'll do one in the middle and kind of talk about how the match went and you and i being match directors Got a really cool course of fire planned for next week. So for all the shooters that are coming out and attending the Guardian match in Cowtown, it's going to be a fun time. We've got some really cool things planned. Uh, I have not released the sign-up for my morning training session on Friday yet. It will be on maxornit.com. We've got a lot of feedback from people wanting to come out and participate in that, including ROs. All the ROs get to come and attend that training. Um, for free, no cost, and we're just trying to make sure we have a manageable amount of people to help run the practice session, making sure everybody's safe, everybody's getting the right amount of one-on-one time. So uh, be on the lookout, maxornit.com, for the sign-up for the morning training on Friday before the Guardian match. And, you know, it's going to be fun, Ray. I'm looking forward to uh, – you and I putting together a really cool match and Sunday having, you know, some team events where shooters have to team up and actually run a stage together and, and work through some of the team issues. So that was one of your requests when I was writing the course fire, you're like, make sure we have team events. And I did. So it's going to be fun. And, uh, you know, next week marks when we have to start setting up. Tuesday and Thursday, getting all the steel laid out, getting all the props in position. So the next couple of weeks going to be pretty busy, but I think Guardian uh, Cowtown match is going to go off without a hitch, you know, a lot of fun. So I got to get back to work. I know you got school and studying stuff to do, but hey, it was great chatting with you. I know we probably talked more than we should have, but you know, what are else people going to do while they're sitting in traffic going to work, right? Yeah, or on their couch. Or on their couch. So get off the couch, get out there, start training, start practicing, get on some of these games, look at some of these board games, how they can help your mind improve your brain function. All right. And Ray, again, thank you for joining me. Everybody else, appreciate you guys listening. As always, this is Tyler, and I will see you next time.